0: And I
1: finally accepted or heard
0: the fact that I had ALS. I was stunned, overwhelmed, shocked, non-believing, and say, it's not possible. That was my immediate reaction.
1: And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I am your host, Mitch Album. I'm the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. Lisa Goich, who produces it and is my friend, is with us Uh here right now. Hi, Lisa. Thank
0: goodness I'm still your friend.
1: Yeah, that's not going to change.
0: Okay, good, Uh, because
1: anytime soon.
0: Okay, good. Because every week I wait for you to say that. And one week, if you don't say that, I'm going to be very suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite part of our show, when you say that. It makes me happy.
1: All right. Well, I'm glad. (laughs) But uh, I'm going to talk today, speaking of friendship, about a friend who we just lost last week. And it's going to be a short podcast. I'm going to tell you that ahead of time. um, Because I just want to say what I have to say about it, and, and, and not much more. But it's tied closely to Tuesdays with Maury and Maury because, in point of fact, I never would have met Augie Nieto had it not been for Tuesdays with Maury. I've talked many times about how this book and the things that have happened as a result of this book have connected me with people all over the world and opportunities all over the world and indirectly have led to pretty much everything that has been worth anything in my life and certainly augie nieto falls in that category so i met augie in 2005 i had happened to be out in california where you are lisa and uh, a guy i knew came up to me and said listen there's this guy he lives a couple towns over And he just got diagnosed with ALS. He's having a hard time kind of dealing with it because he's a young guy. And uh, I told him I knew you. And he asked if uh, we could get a copy of Tuesdays with Maury, possibly sign for him. And I said, listen, if he's only a couple towns over, I'll just bring it to him. Just tell me where it is and maybe Uh. something to say to him that, you know, might. Give him some hope, right? So he gave me the address, and I drove to this address, and it was in Newport Beach, California, or Corona Del Mar, California, right on the border of each other. And it was a pretty fancy little neighborhood.
0: Yeah, that's very fancy over there.
1: I pulled up to this house, which was down a very uh, steep drive, uh huh, just before the ocean. So I knew that this house was on the ocean and it was down this steep driveway, just past this lookout point, like inspiration point, I think they call it or something, just a beautiful lookout. And I throw down the steep drive and then I turned into the driveway and the driveway was so steep because this house was built into the cliffs there that I almost rammed right into their garage. Oh, geez. It was made out of glass and I just hit the <laughs> brake. And and put my emergency brake on.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And so I arrived at the door, already wondering, like, how am I going to get out of here? Because right,
0: when I get your car back,
1: when I gotta get get my car back up the hill, the minute I put it into the minute I started to put it to drive, I'm going to hit this glass in the opposite
0: door. direction.
1: So, in a certain way, when I arrived, I was already having trouble leaving. Yeah. And as it would turn out, that would be metaphorical. I met Augie, who it turned out, I knew very little about him, but I met him and his lovely wife, Lynn, and found out that Augie was only in his late 40s, just about to turn 50, and he had been the president or the founder of Life Fitness. Now, some of you may, most of you probably know Life Fitness. If you've ever been in a gym, you know Life Fitness. Life Fitness makes all those bicycles the stationary bicycles. Well, Augie, when he was like 19 years old, still a college student, figured out that this was a great invention and that people eventually would want to exercise at a health club or in their homes and that there could be a big business in this. And despite the fact that everybody told him he was crazy, he started pursuing it, started chasing down health clubs and saying, you need some of these in your health clubs. And he was just a very aggressive Uh, charming, handsome, bodybuilding kind of guy, and people believed him. And before you knew it, he had built Life Fitness not only into bicycles, stationary bicycles, but all kinds of equipment into a huge, huge conglomerate, big, big, massive, successful business that made him very, very rich. And he would go on to advise other fitness companies. Uh, He sold he sold the life cycle thing to Bally's Fitness, then became president of Life Fitness, then got involved as an operating advisor for a private equity firm that ended up putting him on advisory boards of things like Curves International. You're familiar with that, a women's uh, fitness uh, Yeah. Machine, Jenny Craig, Hydro Massage. He became a, a member of Octane Fitness and then took over Octane Fitness, Quest Software, Dynavox. You names:
0: all the big fitness uh, brands and he names.
1: was the guru. And man.: was, By his own admission, he was a high-flying kind of guy. He was proud of his success, and he flaunted it. He lived high off the hog. He uh, he flew around the world. He took wild vacations with friends of his, uh, guy friends. who are a lot of cigar smoking and drinking and partying. And by his own admission, later in his life, he would say that he was a bit of an ass, you know, the way that he behaved to other people in business. He was ruthless. He was money oriented. He was success oriented, ambition oriented. And he wasn't always the nicest guy. Mm. All right. I'm not saying that he's saying that because I didn't know him then. Yeah. I only knew him after while water skiing in the Mekong Delta in Vietnam. What? Yeah, not the kind of thing that
0: normal folks
1: like you and me tend to do. No, no. But that was part of his exotic vacations. He began to fall. And he was, notice he was falling and slipping off the rope and he couldn't hang on to it. And he had always been a really good athlete. And then he noticed when he was shaving, he would drop the razor. It kept falling out of his hands. He didn't know what was going on. So he went to the doctor, and here's where his story and Maury's story and everybody who contracts ALS's story all meet at the same point. The doctor said to him, You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And he said, Lou Gehrig's disease, that's fatal. And the doctor, just as with Maury, had to say, Yes, it's fatal. And now Augie Nieto and Maury Schwartz. And so many others were all together in the same Mm boat, having Mm -hmm. to face, what are you going to do now that you have ALS? In in, uh, Augie's case, he was not even 50 years old. Maury, of course, was 76, 7 when he was diagnosed with ALS. So most of his life had been lived. But for a guy like Augie, he felt his life was just getting going.
0: Yeah, 40s, and, yes, yeah, right? Like, Yeah,
1: wow. he had married his childhood sweetheart. He had been married before. It didn't work out. And then uh, same thing happened with her. And then they met up again. They had been high school sweethearts. They met up again and realized they were kind of fated for one another. And a beautiful wedding and a beautiful wife and beautiful kids and, and you know everything a man could want. And all of a sudden, he got this death sentence. Well, he didn't take it very well. To be honest, uh, he tried to kill himself. And that is not that uncommon a reaction when people find out they have ALS. They don't want to go through the decay. They don't want to go through the withdrawal from life. Just get it over with. And he tried to kill himself with sleeping pills. And he says that the next thing he remembered, he was in the hospital room semi-conscious or unconscious, but he heard his children, I believe his daughter, crying and and talking with her family about how he needed to live, he couldn't die. And he felt ashamed of what he had done and ashamed that he would put the people that he loved through this. And the part of Augie that was always the strongest the part that wanted to fight and stand up for himself, obviously found its way to the top and he lived. He pulled out of it. And when he pulled out of it and when he got home, he said, okay, I'm going to live just as Maury said. If I'm going to live, how can I be productive? How can I turn this into something that will help others? That's what Maury said. How can I teach about what happened to me? is happening to me? How can I teach about death?
0: We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this.
1: Well, Augie wasn't a teacher, but he was a businessman. And he said, okay, I'm going to start a new business. And the business is going to be about finding a cure for ALS. And all we are going to do is invest and research and hire and investigate and study and research again and try again and study again to make a single product the cure for ALS. Nothing else. No side businesses. No, while we're at it, let's do some uh, hair growth (laughs)
0: products, (laughs) things
1: things like that. No, just ALS. And he partnered with the MDA, the Muscular Dystrophy Association, and he created something called Augie's Quest. All the funds that were raised went completely to research because the administrative costs were covered by MDA. And then eventually they... Transferred it to another name, ALS De- uh, Therapy Development Institute, and an- uh, turned it into a biotech. But what everybody knew it as was Augie's Quest to Cure ALS. Since it began, they have raised over $190 million, all under Augie's leadership. Wow. A hundred, yeah, a million would have long, been a lot. That's
0: not even that long of a period of time, right? No. How-
1: 15 years or so.
0: Ooh, that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, not even. Uh, and Augie's determination, his will is what drove that thing. And Augie, as he lost the ability to do everything, which is what ALS does, lost the ability to walk, lost the ability to eat, lost the ability to talk, lost the ability to, to, to you know play sports or lift anything at all. And was wheelchair bound from that wheelchair using a trackball with his toe. He would type out his emails. He would type out his memorandums. He would type out his instructions to his business staff. And over the years, as I would come to visit him and I watched him go from, you know, a guy who was standing and could still talk to me when we first met to a guy who eventually lost his voice to a guy who eventually lost everything and would just look at me, uh, and my wife, Janine, who would always go to visit him in, in that same beautiful house. And he would communicate by tapping with this. It would take a long time, you know, moving his toe around. But he had every piece of gadgetry that you could get. And it would form words on a screen. And the words would eventually then speak in a voice, you know, like, I am glad to see you, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And uh, you had to be patient.
0: Like Stephen you- Hawking had that same sort of thing. Yeah.
1: But you could discuss things with Augie. And, wow. and, and he was nonstop with his emails and with his, let's get on top of this. And what are we doing here? Because remember, ALS doesn't affect your brain, just your body. So your brain is perfectly functional, perfectly aware of it. And he used his brain and he used his will and he directed it towards $190 million. But not just money raised. He direct, they actually have a drug in development. It's, it's worked its way all, all the way up. Uh, you know, to to actually do good. I mean, there, there are people who feel that this is accomplishing more than a lot of the research that's being government funded, wow. all of which was to find a cure for ALS. And along the way, Augie had bashes, these big parties that, that people would come to try to raise money. I spoke at a number of them. He would always come in in a tuxedo that they dressed him up in, in his wheelchair, you know, and, uh, his wife would stand by him, Lynn, and she would say what he wanted to say. And Augie could like, you know, wiggle his, you know, almost lift his eyes just a little bit, you know, enough to look like surprised or right. the corner of his mouth up just a tiny little bit to show you that he was smiling. And we would come to embrace those little moves, those little actions, you know, just, he would say some dumb joke on his, on his screen that would take forever to, to, to read. And you'd finally see the punchline. You'd look at him and have that kind of even right. though he really couldn't move, his expression changed. I don't know how to express like it. Like
0: a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> like a, like a-
1: but his expression changed. I mean, for someone whose face really couldn't move, his ex- yeah. you could see in his eyes.
0: Aww.
1: You could see in his eyes. And when I would hold his hand or, or rub his head or kiss him, you could see his, his eyes tearing up, just like Maury. Physical touch meant so much to him. And he was such an inspiration because he lived not one year or two years like Maury did or like it was his calm and, but he lived 18 years, Wow, 18 years. And it got to the point that I just saw him a month or two ago uh, when I was I out remember. for a bash, yeah. And then uh, they auctioned me off as a speaker. And uh, it was a little more than a month or two, so I guess three or four months ago. And then, uh, but I came out and I wrote to him and everything. And I just assumed, and we all just assumed, that he was just going to outlive us. Because here he was at 18 years with ALS, and it hadn't taken him yet. And I think there was this thinking like if it hadn't taken him yet, he's already held off all the things that can come with it. He's Superman. Yeah. And he's not going to, you know, ever die. So when I got the call last week that Augie contracted pneumonia and pneumonia, of course, is the kryptonite for people who have ALS because, you know, your lungs, when your lungs aren't functioning, you can't will yourself to breathe or cough. Or get rid of the phlegm. Uh, is that
0: common, by that the is way? Very in,
1: common. That and is ALS very
0: patients. Common. Okay. Very
1: common way that ALS patients die. You know, they they their lungs fill with fluid. They can't you know can't breathe. And uh, it happened to Augie very quickly. Uh, and apparently he had you know struggled with some pneumonia prior to, and the time I guess just came where Augie said, "Okay, I've fought this thing." Long, long, long time. I'm in my mid-60s now, and um, it's time to turn it over to everybody else to carry the ball. And he died quickly and, and quietly with his wife, Lynn, his beautiful wife, Lynn, by his side, as she has been by his side every single minute of this thing. Their marriage, they would be the first ones to tell you, was improved by ALS, was stronger as a result of it they were never better than when they were teaming up to this together and all the things that he oh, lost wow. he gained in so many other ways and wow. his loss will be felt throughout the als community and if you're listening to this story and you say gee i feel bad about it what can i do here's what you can do you can go to augie's quest on the internet and make a donation because the worst thing that could happen the worst thing that could happen as a result of Augie's death, is that somehow the momentum is lost in fighting against this disease. That would be the only crime of Augie's death. Otherwise, his life was so meaningful. And for all that he had done before and all the money he had made, he never found more meaning in his life than when he wasn't able to move and yet was able to move mountains. And I wrote that, you know, he couldn't speak, but he yelled and he couldn't walk, but yet he he, he he marched for miles and he couldn't write. And yet he sent emails to everybody. And his last email that came out after he died was something he had written before he died, knowing that it was coming. And he asked everybody to keep him in his hearts, and keep him in, in your heart and and to keep going to be part of his team. So you can go to augustquest.org org and do exactly that keep him in your heart and honor his legacy and continue the fight that he that he started 18 years ago not as a strong man because his first his first inclination was to try to take his life but in the end he ended up giving his life
0: imagine gave- had he succeeded None of this research would have happened, which could have led to whatever this drug is that's in the pipeline now, you know? It's so sad, but...
1: Here is Augie's final message that he sent out. If there ever comes a day when we can't be together, keep me in your heart. I'll stay there forever. That's the Winnie the Pooh quote. And then he wrote, if you're reading this, then that day has come. As hard as it is to leave my dear friends and family behind, I know that my fight is not over. I have battled ALS for almost 18 years. Physically, ALS has finally taken my body, but my battle to rid the world of this insidious disease will continue. I know that I have a lot to be thankful for. I was luckier than most and was able to enjoy those close to me longer than so many friends with ALS. I am thankful for my family, as I count them as the finest achievement of my life. I am thankful for my friends who stayed by my side and were a constant reminder of how precious life is in spite of its difficulties. Please keep me in your hearts. Please help continue the progress of Augie's quest to cure ALS. Please help Lynn to carry on the mission, the second finest achievement of my life, because I will be in your heart. I will get to experience the joy when we discover a cure. Thank you for making my life better by virtue of being in it. Forever in your heart, Augie. And then he wrote... Oh,
0: that's so sad.
1: Yes, In my memory... Tell someone you love a funny or inappropriate joke and think of me. Ah. <laughs> so Augie Nieto, who left us last week, 2023, will be sorely missed. Please honor his memory by going to org and make whatever donation you can and read all you can about him because he was a man worth knowing. That's gonna do it for today's edition, an odd one, I suppose, of Tuesday People, but then maybe the most maybe the most appropriate one I could I could think of. Oh yes. We'll be back uh, again next week to do this again. Thank you for Lisa for putting this together. Check out all of our information at weTuesdaypeople.org.com. Sorry, <laughs> I do <know> my orgs. <laughs> we Tuesdaypeople.com. And until we get a chance to speak to you again, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday.
0: Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.